0: Nelson, and you're listening to the Starting Block Podcast. Guys, this is a show for complete athletic development. Our mission, our objective here is to give you the tools to win, whether you are the athlete, the parent, or the coach. As always, I'm here with my uh, co host, Chris Scarborough. Good afternoon, sir. How are you? Hey, good afternoon.
1: Good afternoon.
0: Now, guys, if you are new to our show, first, uh, welcome. Appreciate you joining. Here is uh, a breakdown. We are slightly unique. Basically, you're going to find there are multiple shows within our show. So, the first episode you'll hear from us is a bi-weekly Q&A. That is where Chris and I will take the questions that you submit to us at? Info at
1: startingblockpodcast.com.
0: So um, Q&A, info at startingblockpodcast.com. That is everything that we cover, Uh, performance, the rehab, nutrition, the neuro stuff. Uh, If you have questions about one of the guests that we've had on, we'll tackle it there. Sometimes we also just use questions that we have experienced, that people, our clients have asked us because we are not uh, professional podcasters, clearly, because if you've listened to our show, you probably know that by now. But uh, we actually work and have real jobs, and so we actually get asked real questions during the day. So that's a Q&A. The other episode, which is also bi-weekly, is the guest interview, and that is just like every other podcast on the planet. That is where we're going to bring in guests from across the globe at this point, and uh, you know they're going to share their stories of success, uh, what they do with their clients, their patients, um, with their athletes. And uh, to me, most importantly, is that... These these guests are people that we are in our network or somebody we've researched or followed. And, and in my opinion, they follow our core values and mission um, at this show as well. And that's just to give you guys the tools to win, um, you know, and so I don't really think they hold anything back. And so this episode will be coming out. Uh, if Everything is done right. It should be coming out Friday the 22nd. We will have a short break, actually, for the holiday. And then the beginning of the year, we will be releasing Dr. Jack Cruz Part 2. Um, and you are not going to want to miss that one. So, no. um, yeah, that's our guest interview. And then the last episode is going to be a, uh, about a quarterly episode, Friday fire fact. It's just about 20 minutes of me kind of brain dumping on you or maybe yelling at you. It just kind of depends on what kind of mood I'm in. Just maybe something a little bit, uh, you know, off, uh, off topic, but somehow related to what we do, you know, maybe it's something I experienced in my facility. Um, you know, a motivational piece, just something along those lines, business oriented, and that's our show breakdown. Uh, guys, we do not uh, run advertisements on the show. Um, so all we ask in return is that you just pay your dues and share the show. Please bring us a friend. Help us uh, help us on this mission. This is a project, a mission. We're uh, we're trying to make an impact and uh, change the way that things are done and cut through all the bullshit that's out there. So um, do us a solid and bring us a friend and help us out. And, uh, yeah, I think that's all the housekeeping stuff. So, yeah, is that it, Chris? I think I covered it all.
1: Yeah, well, I was going to say, you know, if, if we reserve the right, for the right person, the right advertiser to come along, you know, and hey, yeah. finances, finances mission,
0: right? No. Hey, yeah. On. I mean, I'm not saying that I wouldn't take advertising or sponsor. <laughs> I'm not going right. to, um, I'm not going to bend a knee to somebody that I don't believe, or I'm not going to use a product or rec- recommend a product that I don't believe in personally. So that is the limitation. Right. But, Correct. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. Because we actually have guys, we actually have had a couple companies reach out to us about wanting to sponsor a show and all we are very grateful uh, you know, it doesn't align with us and uh, it doesn't, right. you know, it's not something that we're passionate about. So, um, real talk, that's kind of how we are. So, um, you know, if you feel like there's somebody out there that might want to, you know, advertise or sponsor with the show and, uh, you know, cause obviously that would be something that could definitely help out and help us get more info to you guys, like connect us, bring them to us. Like we would be more than happy to, to, you know, to talk and see if there's a good fit there for sure. Absolutely. So I'm glad you brought that up. That's yeah. a good point, man. Yep. So, Yeah. But uh, but yeah, so it's the week before the holidays, and uh, I don't know about you, man, but like my schedule has been absolutely absurd, <laughs> like yeah. off the charts busy.
1: <laughs> what's, what's, what's so crazy is, you know, you, you, you almost like you cut, you're, you're thinking, hey, it's time to exhale a little bit, and then you realize that a lot of the, the kids that were in school, whether they be in college or even if they were in high school... All of a sudden, they want to come back because their season's over with or, you know, they don't have workouts at their school, whatever the case may be. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're trying to exhale and now they're they're ready to get uh, get going again. So, yes, yeah. it's it's not uncommon.
0: Yeah, no, no question. And I've got a lot this year. I mean, I always have them, but like this year. There's a lot of people are using this time to get some injuries or things like that, you know, taking care of them. So it's like just across the board, you know, eight AM to two it's in wellness. So then from, you know, two or three to six it's it's training and it's uh that's good. Not complaining. So, you know, hopefully some of you guys out there are experiencing the same thing. Yeah. It's uh not quite a time to take a breather just yet. Not yet. So, not yet. We're getting there. <clears throat> yeah. All right. So let's uh let's get to it, man. Uh Q and A. Yep. What uh what we got?
1: All right. So we have a question about speed and speed endurance in particular. <laughs> So should a distance or middle distance runner should they work on pure speed? Well,
0: that's a good question. Um by middle distance, well are we sure this is a middle distance runner or do we know?
1: Middle distance uh is the most well I will tell you this. I mean, this, this type of question comes to me mostly from eight hundred meters, sixteen hundred meter, maybe cross country runners. Okay. But you gotta remember, most of your cross country runners also become 800 or 8 or 1600 meter runners. Also, uh, mm-hmm. I think the high school level also has a two mile in uh, during indoor and outdoor season. So, okay. Well, I'll uh,
0: I'll I'll hit on it real quick and then I'll, I'll hand it to you. Um, I don't run a lot, so if you see me running, you should probably run as well. Um, my fat ass doesn't do that. And, yeah, uh, you just
1: have to outrun John. That's it. That's yeah,
0: whatever okay. it is. Just get. Out I can still John. move. I can still move, though. I can still move. I got <laughs> it. I think the last time I tested my vertical. It was still like thirty or thirty-one or something. So nice. I can, I can still move a little bit. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, so I don't run. But uh, why don't you touch on this, Chris? That's kind of your area of extra. I generally don't work with a lot of track or cross country mm. athletes anyway. So you're kind of the guy there.
1: Well, it's as far as. Any middle distance or above, meaning 800 meters or above, about the only thing we've ever done with them is work on speed, which meaning that when I say work on speed, I'm talking about like a fly 10 to up to maybe a fly 30. And all I mean by fly is you build up to your maximal speed and then you time yourself over a 10 meter or a 10 yard interval. Okay. A, a 10 yard distance. Could also be a thirty-yard uh, fly, meaning okay, you build yourself up, then you time yourself over a thirty-yard interval or thirty-meter interval. So that's it. Like that's that's our main emphasis on speed training with any one middle distance. Where we get the endurance work is mainly through the stuff that we talked about with David and uh, Elijah, and that is uh, more Evo-type training. Um, uh, that's where we get most of our endurance work. Iso extremes, rebounds, <clears> altitudes, <throat> that sort of thing. That's where the endurance work comes in. The r- actual running that we do is only speed work, and that's it. And we've had uh, quite a bit of success with our with our track athletes, and that, that ranges from middle distance and distance runners all the way down to more field event type athletes, pole vaulters, mm-hmm. jumpers, uh, throwers uh jab you know javelin disc that sort
0: of thing okay so so break it down this way a little bit more like for the parent or like a coach listening to this I mean it's I guess when you think about running long distance you, you know you at least my brain immediately goes to you know the rocky and running you know for you know f- you know 15 straight miles or whatever and you know and a lot of coaches I think still you know a, a abide by the, you know, more is better type of deal. And so if we have a Mm -hmm. distance runner and we got to run 800, then they're probably having them run 2400s, you know, like, right. So, you know, why, like how, how does doing the speed work help?
1: Okay. So what what is it doing from
0: an energy system standpoint or whatnot?
1: Yeah, no, very good. Uh, Very good question. So I'm going to, I'm going to, Assuming most of our listeners are in or have something to do with strength training or conditioning in that sense, I want to I'm going to get you to answer your own question because you're right. That question is asked a lot. So let's take a uh, a 225 max rep bench press. Okay, everybody know that like like in a, in a, like an NFL combine, right? Weak. So say 225 max reps. If I take athlete one, and he his max is 300, 300 pounds, that's his max. We take athlete two, his max is 400 pounds. Regardless of how they train, John, who's going to get more reps with 225?
0: Yeah, sure. The guy with the higher absolute strength.
1: Yes. the high, Or so, the higher max, people. Correct. So I don't care how they train. That person who does 400 pounds is going to get more reps than that person who does 300 pounds, regardless of how they train. Okay, I don't care how they train. I don't care if that 300-pound max bench presser does nothing but a bunch of reps. The 400-pound max bench presser is going to do more reps in almost every single case. Now, here's the thing. I'm, I'm not saying he's going to be a better football player or you know, whatever, whatever athlete, but I am saying he's going to get more reps than the 225 max reps. So the same thing really holds true in, in speed training. Let's take someone who runs 20 miles per hour. That's their best speed. Okay, that's their top maximum speed. And we take someone else who, whose top speed is 16 miles per hour. Who do you think is going to have an easier time running an average of 14 miles per hour over a longer distance? Does that yeah. question make sense?
0: That, that, yeah no that makes sense and I think I think
1: that makes sense to the audience it should so yeah if you, so in other words you take someone who has better absolute speed 20 miles per hour in this case they're gonna have a much easier time running at, at 14 miles per hour if their max is 20 miles per hour than that person who runs a bunch of slow reps and they their best is 16 which by the way, there's a lot of people out there who only run about 16 miles an hour. There's a lot, okay? There's a whole bunch of them, and a lot of them think, "Well, I'm not very fast. So I'm going to go run distance." No, what's going to happen is you're going to be a slow distance runner. Okay, you're not going to win. One other thing, and one of the top uh, guys in, in all types of track and field, uh, Bondarchuk, Anatoly Bondarchuk, he has he's put all, just tons and gobs of data in his books um, from the the former Soviet Union from back in the 50s, 60s, 70s. I mean, just many, many years of data. And the interesting thing that he found is that you could take someone who runs a very fast 100 meter and it has great correlation to that person who runs a, a fast mile. However, the opposite is not true. You can't take someone who runs a good mile and have them run a faster hundred. It does not work very well. Does that make sense? Yes. <clears throat> speed carries over to a fast distance, but a fast distance does not carry over to a fast sprint. Doesn't work. So, that point is, sense. speed. You've heard you've heard the phrase "speed kills." Well, it does. You take the the best the the top Olympic male miler in the Olympics. Okay, we're talking no we are talking about elite world class I guarantee you all the medalists probably run about a a sub 10 eight 100 meter okay 108 t- that's that's fast all right you run under 11 seconds at 100 meters you're flying we're talking about the guys who who are the Olympic Milers can probably run a 108 or better maybe better in a lot of cases. That would win uh I mean it's not gonna it's not gonna qualify them for world class sprinter, but that's gonna win a lot of like high school hundred meter uh, classifications they'll certainly be yeah. competitive at that level so you know we're talking about some fast guys here all right so speed always always i mean it it just it just works great okay for anything I don't care what it is.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's uh I mean I, I don't even have anything to add or argue. I think that they're all that's all great points. Um as you were talking, I was listening, but I was also pulling up the, the bench press combine records and like uh unofficially <laughs> guy from eastern Kentucky, Justin Ernest, completed fifty one reps at two twenty five in the nineteen ninety nine Combine. That wow. is nuts. I don't know if that's been broken since. I don't I didn't really look at the data of this article. Um but yeah, another guy, yeah. Yeah, because in 2011, um, a guy from Oregon State put up 49. So, geez, wow. But anyways, yeah,
1: yeah. And so, up bet you anything. Their maxes. Oh maxes are the chart. 500, yeah. yeah, 500 yeah. plus. <laughs> I mean, we're so, we're talking about very strong guys. So, but, yeah,
0: yeah. So no, no. Like you said, I, I agree 100% with you. I think you're, uh, I think you're spot on with that. Um, I don't, I don't even think there's anything
1: to add. So cool. Let's uh, let's go to number two. All right. Question number two, John, what makes a muscle shut off? And by the way, we're talking about like not shut off voluntarily, like trying to make a muscle shut off, but like what makes a muscle shut down in the case of like, like injury, whatever. Sure. Okay. So, uh,
0: first things first, if, uh, if somebody ever tells you that your glutes don't fire, um, go find another coach. Okay. Um, your glutes always fire um it it doesn't mean that they don't necessarily fire out of order but they always fire i just know that's such a trend in our industry your glutes don't fire bullshit yes they do if they didn't fire you couldn't stand up doesn't mean they fire in the right order so um now that i got that off my chest uh yeah let's dig into that so why muscles turn off um so there's a couple different ways we can look at this uh i'll look at it from i'll talk about it from like the kind of the neuro target side of things as well as some of the other stuff I do, because I think how we look at it, Chris, you, you and I might have a little bit different, um, perception of it because you utilize square one. And I, I don't want to speak on that cause I don't represent it. Um, but you know, when, when somebody comes in and that is ultimately a question I get all the time, like why do muscles shut down? All right now. And, and that list, I mean, the list can be extremely long. There can be a lot of different reasons why, um, you know, if you're, if you want it very simply, there can be, you know, just the perception of threat. You've heard us talk about that. You know, Sal Peter talks about perception of threat. I'm also going shut down. But ultimately, I think the, the understanding is that, um, I don't remember what book it's in. Uh, somebody referenced it once, and I've re- I don't remember what it's called, though. But when you look at the hierarchy of needs of our body, our muscles don't even really play a role in that. Like, survival is priority number one. So the body doesn't really care about the muscles per se. And so that's one of the beauties of using muscle testing is if a muscle is shutting – if it shuts down, we know the body's diverting energy somewhere else. But ultimately, why is that happening? Well, there can be neurological interference. So there can be a loss of, you know, that sympathetic parasympathetic balance. There can be a loss of that, you know, parasympathetic inhibitory tone. And that can influence things. There can be... Um, you know, cranial compressions, there could be, um, you know, subluxations, I mean, there can be a couple things that influence that for sure. Those are all kind of things that we uh, attack in the neuro target system. So we're, you know, typically looking for does the muscle connect, like does it respond? Is that timing mechanism there? Not the strength is the timing mechanism there. If not, okay, we got to go down that path of why that's occurring. Um, and then you can dig even deeper into stuff. So you know, all muscles have nutritional resources they feed from. Um, so, you know, there may be a nutrient deficiency. Um, there could be a digestive element that's, uh, you know, because the gut is going to overrule everything. So, you know, the gut is, it can play a role in that. Um, you know, I think a lot of people think that there's a physical side to it. Or that's, now let me rephrase that. I think a lot of people immediately go to the physical side of it. Like, right. oh, what did I do to turn this off? And, Although I do think there's a slight component to that, I really don't think that plays as big a role as what is going on internally. You know, are there mineral deficiencies there? Are there uh, meridian issues? Um, You know, is there more of a neurological misfiring? Rather than you did something physical that can shut it off per se. Now, I do think the joints personally play a role in that. You know, as we know with the work of you know Dr. Spina, if you followed you know any of the FRC stuff, um, you know he talks about the mechanoreceptors in the joints. And in summary, there's really four big ones, but like they all go through the spinal cord, of course. But essentially, uh, mechanoreceptor three, I believe, is the one that's really heavy in the joints. That in simple terms it kind of bypasses the spinal cord but not really like obviously not but like it bypasses that decision maker and that's why your joints are so neurologically rich and there's so much feedback that can occur from the joints and why it's important to do things like cars and all that because it sends so much feedback up to the brain and that helps the muscles so it's like yeah if you have a, a restricted joint um where you see a consistent you know <clears throat> inner ankle bone collapse then yes i do believe that that can influence what muscles are turning on and off um you can have reactive muscles. So just think of it like a chest lat type of deal. Um, reactive muscles are very interesting. I, I, I really like digging into that stuff. Um, and so there's just a, there's a, I know that doesn't answer anybody's question because there's just a ton of reasons why,
1: <laughs> uh, you
0: know, Dr. Jay and I have had these conversations multiple times too. Um, there can be, I had a, I, here's a great story right now. Um, I'm working an ortho local ortho sent me a, Uh, a young lady who uh, is pretty far behind in her acl recovery and uh, we have been using the newbie we've been doing doing our thing making minimal progress but helping and then it kind of clicked with me that you know based on some of the things she had said like there was actually a nerve adhesion that was creating the issue Um, and so no matter what we did you know whether we you know, use something like RPR, neural emphatic points to get it working, whether we cleared out, you know, dysfunction. The, the body is not going to let a muscle contract or relax if it's adhered. And, and our nerves working like this, like fascia nerve, fascia sandwich type deal. And so if there's adhesions there, then, man, you can blast that sucker all day and it's going to get jammed up. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, we, we worked on that one day. And within, if you follow my Instagram story, I put this up probably two days ago or one day. I don't remember, depending mm-hmm. on when this comes out. But, yeah contraction immediately occurred and the, and the quad turned on literally instantly um, once we cleared out that adhesion. So that there can be adhesions there. So that's how I kind of look at things. What about you, Chris? Like when you're looking at square one, you're actually looking, what are you looking at?
1: Yeah, I mean, you're, you're doing, you heard uh, Sean Sherman mention this, you're, you're interviewing the nervous system. You're basically doing everything you just said. You're inter- you might use different techniques to fix it, fixed you know deficiencies or whatever than you would say with neuro targeting but the concept the general the end result is you're looking for the same thing. Sure. You're trying to get muscles to turn on at the right time. Okay. Not not the right strength necessarily the right time. Okay. Okay. Stimulus hits, you want the muscle to turn on. Okay. Mm-hmm. You also want stimulus to hit and then that muscle to shut off again at the right time. So on you know on off switch and that sort of thing. Now we're talking about normal shutting off, not, not pathological shutting off. Okay. We're not talking about shutting down. Right. Okay. So you, you want, you're, you're just trying to get those muscle or muscle or muscles to engage the right amount at the right time, et cetera. Um, But it's really no different. I mean, you use the, the visual system, the vestibular system, uh, the proprioceptive system to get, you know, any deficiencies. (laughs) <laughs> to be not deficiencies anymore, so yep. there you go.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and the <coughs> list is super long. Like that's why it's just not an easy question to answer. And you know, if right. you like, if we continually see something that's shutting down, and we've tried you know a couple of different things, and it just keeps shutting off, then like. You know, we may even do something like where we have to, you know, where they need to go get blood work done and and see if there's something going on in there. You know, because also certain muscles correlate with, um, you know, certain meridians and organ associations as well. There's definitely the visceral components of stuff as well. That's huge. Um, The emotional component is enormous. And I think with anybody, if you're a new kind of practitioner um, in with muscle testing, like whatever system you're in. I think it's just important to say that, like, emotions play a huge role in that. Absolutely. Um, And as a practitioner, you can influence that. And so, you know, you have to have the right intent with what you're doing. I had a lady today that I was testing, and she started talking about a family member that they don't get along with. And it's like, boom, everything shut down. I'm like, stop thinking about
1: that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing yeah. how how you know your thoughts of, you know what's in your head is in your body. I mean that's just the way it is. So
0: mm-hmm. yeah. So I think you know <clears throat> the advice is if the muscle keeps shutting down, you we got to start like start small, and then you know start to dig a little bit deeper. If it keeps, you know, if a muscle shut off, don't don't immediately go to you know the whatever component. I mean, you know, Str- trying to deficiency. strengthen.
1: Yeah, yeah, d- or something,
0: d- like, yeah, slowly work on getting it, you know, turned back on through whatever system. And then if it keeps failing, we got to keep going deeper, All figure right. it out. Yeah, no, that's a good, um, that's a good, uh, a good question. Yes, um, agreed. Like, I don't know, I think I've shared before, but I know I've shared with some people like we, um, I've actually done this with pitchers. So like, I'll literally test their grips and then muscle test. And when there's a perception of threat, it'll literally shut it off. Now, there can be other elements there, which I have found, like cerebellum dysfunction and things like that. But that goes a little bit deeper. But something just as simple as your hand position can influence what turns a muscle off. Sure. So, so there's That a makes lot. sense. There's a lot. We could do a whole episode on that.
1: Absolutely. We so, could.
0: <laughs> yeah. But hopefully that, that starts to put people on the right path um, and answer that question. Right. So, cool. Um, all right, man. Is that it? That is it. That's all the questions for today. Cool. All right. Well, this uh, this episode will drop. Uh, yes, this should be. You should be listening to this on Friday afternoon. So, um, yeah, you will not hear from us next week. So, have a uh, very Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas, um, everybody. You know, everybody's got a great Christmas, uh, and you know, keep pushing strong, coaches. This is a busy time of year for all of us. But uh, guys, appreciate you guys. Love you guys. Uh, share the show.